All right. Okay. Tell me the name of that song. Tell me the name of that tune, I should say. It's not a song. <laughs> okay. Would you believe it is called Killer Joe? That's the name of that tune. It's uh, uh, it's long been a jazz standard since 19... What did I put that? 1960s, actually. And uh, it's with the Benny Golson sextet. Um, Benny Golson on tenor sax, Chris Fuller on trombone, Art Farmer on bass, McCoy Tanner on piano, Lex Humphreys on drums, and it's from this 1960 album, Benny Golson, One Day Forever. This is Lead Stories. I'm Utrecht Lead, and guess what? It's Free Your Mind Friday. Yes, 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 yes. Now, what is Free Your Mind Friday? I always make it a point to explain it so you know what you need to do. Free Your Mind Friday is completely your opinion about something. It doesn't mean that you, you know, it's a slipshod kind of thing. No, it means that you have something specific you want to talk about uh, and you'd like to share with us. But you are required to have an opinion. And an opinion is not about how you're feeling about something. An opinion says, I have looked into this matter and these are my conclusions, or this is my conclusion. And I came to this conclusion because of A, B, C, D. That doesn't mean that you're right. It means that you have done the required thing, which is to look into it a little bit more deeply, and you have formulated in your head an idea or a conclusion based on those things that you have examined. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that you're, quote, right, unquote. There's no right or wrong. You're either well-informed or you're not. Your conclusion is either solid or it's not. And don't be surprised if people take you on and say, well, he said so-and-so and so, but I have a different take on that because I read in such and such a magazine just yesterday and you lay out your facts. Feel free to disagree, but don't be mean and nasty about it. This is one of the, the uh, things that we have to do as we mature. We have to leave room for disagreement, but we also have to disagree nicely. So the person who starts off still doesn't feel 
that he's been minced into a million pieces and before an audience listening in and how you tear him apart. We're not into that. That's the U.S. Supreme Court. <laughs> we don't behave like them. Uh, what we want to do is to train ourselves, get used to the idea of looking at an issue or a problem with a particular slant, and you are entitled to have your own opinion. But it is very, very important that that opinion be rooted in some kind of fact that you can defend should somebody take issue with it. And if they disagree, well, that's up to them. So bring on your facts and let's, let's talk facts then. And let's see how our facts, each of our facts will resonate with people. Okay? We do not have to be disagreeable simply because we disagree. And that's a great sign of maturity. 888-874-4888 is the number that you call to register your opinion about something. 888-874-4888. Of course, you choose your subject depending on what hits you the most uh, during this week. And it doesn't have to be confined to the week. Whatever. Introduce an idea. And tell us how you have inspected it more closely. What you, you, you thought of when you, when you did that. What were you looking for? And what did you come out with? And therefore, what is your, what, what's the word? Opinion. Opinion. I, it's not, this is not about your feelings. <laughs> no, don't get it twisted. This is not about your feelings. Feelings are not opinions. I want to know what you came up with once you had taken a, a closer look at the issue, once you were able to unearth new information and new facts that have now helped you form an opinion, what is that opinion? Okay, so that's what Free Your Mind Friday is all about. Uh, ultimately, it is about training ourselves to debate. It's training ourselves to present a point of view and to defend our point of view, if it were to come to that. How do you defend what you say? Because you have done some kind of research, you've done some kind of closer looking into the issue or the, 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 the opinion that you have, and you're even more convinced now than you were before. All right, so those are the ground rules. Remember, I'm not interested in your feelings today. Feelings are not opinions. 
888-874-4888. Marcus from Wisconsin starts us off today. Hello, Marcus. Hello, Eutrice. Thank you very much. I, I, I trust you are well uh, in your customary fashion. Well, it's debatable. <laughs> Depending on who you ask, I've never been well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess one has to specify where we're talking about. Our... Uh, How are way, you? Just as in, uh, oh, oh um, I can't lose with the stuff I use. Every day is oh, a okay. world by the tail. All right. Um, I, I want, just before I begin here, I just wanted to thank you for the premise of your program yesterday, which unfortunately um, I didn't actually hear anybody address uh, your question being uh, that what's important in the legacy of Dr. King is what we think of ourselves and are we good servants of the good he was moving for and uh, are we good inheritors of the tradition he was trying to lay down. Um, I'd, I'd like to discuss that with you another time, but I, I hope you will uh, keep that discussion going because it's essential. Um, okay, thank you. I, I wanted to just lay out a few factors here. Um, uh, be, I, I, for people to form their own thoughts about, these are just some elements in the constellation of events that I think are significant that perhaps it would do us well to pay attention to. Um, I was notified by uh, some younger friends who I stay in touch with that they sent me a copy, which, which I wrote down, uh, of a, a, a twit or a twitch or whatever they call those sentence fragments that Americans communicate in from uh, the 23rd of March uh, by the Selective Service Administration. And there have apparently been uh, a great many of them on this topic ensuing. And the message says, in the event of a draft, our agency would partner with FEMA to provide opportunities for conscientious objectors to ensure our nation keeps moving forward. Now, apparently, Selective Service has been bringing the topic of the draft up a lot, which is uh, because I work with a lot of young people, is something I've been checking into for the last few decades. Um, I keep an eye on it. And if, if one takes into account the current rhetoric, um, Biden openly calling for regime change, uh, three uh, three times in front of an international audience, and when he was called on it, he reiterated it uh, in no uncertain terms. Um, I would point out that the current age for selective service to be eligible for the draft is 18 to 26. Um, doing a little research, I discovered that during the Korean conflict, it was 18 to 
1836. During World War II, it was 18 to 64. So they can arbitrarily set the age limit at any time they want to any age range they want. Um, women were just missed being included mandatorily in selective service um, by just a whisper in Congress um, in 2016. Um, curiously enough, because of the uh, stealth coronavirus uh, super spreadable death killer virus surge pandemic, we are still technically in a state of emergency that has not been called off. And uh, once this is in place, Selective Service can call on Americans for the draft at any time. Um, I have been following the uh, issuances of the Joint Chiefs of Staff over the past 20 years. They have been openly whooping for uh, the reinstatement of the draft for at least 15 years. Um, and my guess is that the conscientious objector exemptions would go about as well as uh, so-called vaccine, religious, and medical exemptions is going, which is nowhere fast. Uh, you can forget um, going to Canada or Mexico or Europe uh, for asylum, as was possible during the Vietnam conflict. That's out. Um, the, I would point out also that the wave of Democrats that were elected in the uh, last midterms to the Congress were overwhelmingly ex-military, ex-intelligence, ex-police people with such a background. You pointed out the other day, um, Biden got a high-profile visit from Obama, and there was speculation about what this could be about. I would submit, perhaps, um, he is there for Biden to take benefit of the fact that um, Obama oversaw in 2019 the coup in Honduras, uh, the near coup in Ecuador the following year. He bankrolled and whooped for the 2010 election in Haiti. Uh, he bankrolled the 2012 coup in Paraguay. Um, undertook and oversaw constant espionage and sabotage in Venezuela uh, and watched and quietly applauded while Dilma Rousseff was ousted and arrested in Brazil. Uh, Biden was just, in, in, during the 2014 coup in the Ukraine, Biden was just the midwife. He, he wasn't the engineer. That, that was Obama and, and his people. Biden is a lifetime corporate stooge. He's not good at making decisions like this. Obama is. So I would just say, combining these elements, um, I, would, I would advise people to, whatever opinion they form, to form it quickly. 
because um, these circumstances could change on a dime. Everything's in place. Hmm. Well, you started us off on a pretty frightening note, but it sounds like you've done some research on this, and it is something that we should take seriously and consider. Um, very nice job. Thank you Thank for you calling much. in and contributing. 888-874-4888. What would you want to free your mind of today? What was bothering you that you looked a little deeper, a little more deeply into, I should say, and you now have a very solid opinion, you think? It does not matter whether people agree or disagree with you. Just prove your case. That's, that's the whole idea. It's important for us. We, we're all over the place and we're active in all kinds of organizations and so forth. And it is important to keep in mind that we are or can be formidable agents of change. How do you accomplish that? By knowing how to present your arguments, making your arguments, doing some research, and connecting with people at a level, again, that encourages them to look more deeply into a particular matter, as Marcus has just done. That was a splendid example of how we form opinions or should form opinions, you got to do a little bit of work. And uh, the more you train yourself to do that, the more formidable you are when a debate is, is about to happen or you have something to say. You attend a meeting and you have something to say. People go, well, where do you get all that information? That's how you form opinions, opinions that count. 888-874-4888, free your mind. That's important, free your mind. And I want to know what you're freeing your mind of today. Oh, <laughs> they're intimidated. I see people just backing away. No, don't, don't do that. Don't yield to fear. Try it and see how well you do. And get better and better and better at it. And before you know it, people will think about three or four times before they take you on because they know you have, you have backup. See? And we should train ourselves to do that because we really are and we generally don't think that, but we really are potential agents of change, and we should be able to make our points, whatever they are. Be prepared to defend yourself, but also be prepared to make a good case. 888-874-4888. Come on now. You're a little bashful today. Ah, <laughs> see, I'm making demands, but you've got to step up. 
and and answer them and and demonstrate that I could I could carry my own weight. I could do that. Jeremiah from New York, you're on the air. Good afternoon, Etrice. Um, Good afternoon. There's a number of things that I would love to uh, discuss today, but I want to discuss, if I may, the Pfizer document dump, um, which is underway at this point. Now, I'm not very knowledgeable when it comes to the law. Um, it just is not my point of interest in general, although I know, you know it's extremely relevant to the world that we live in. And uh, I found it interesting and strange that Pfizer, who you know clearly has a relationship not only with our government but the governments of the world to implement this global vaccine rollout, there are other companies and other players in the game, but Pfizer seems to be sort of mentioned more than the other vaccine manufacturers in this case. They wanted 75 years to release the uh, documents pertaining to the trials of their vaccine and all the, basically the data pertaining to these novel vaccines that were rushed to the market. And a, a judge in Texas said, no, I'm not going to give you 75 years. You have one year. So I'm confused, first of all, as to why a judge in a particular jurisdiction is the last bastion of defense against a corporation whose policies or whose relationship with our government creates policies that then affect everyone's life in the country. So I find that interesting in the first place. But thankfully, there was this judge who said, no, no, I'm not giving you 75 years. You have one year. And then the first installment came out. Um, I guess it was, I don't know, a month or so ago, and now there's two installments, which is another question I have, which is how many installments are there? Is this more recent installment, two of ten? Is it two of a hundred? How many installments are there going to be, and, and why does it get broken up in installments? Why can't they just provide all the information all at once, considering it's pertaining to the health of the, the public broadly? But forgive me for not having read these documents, um, but the first batch was 55,000 pages. So I doubt there's anyone in the country who's read these comprehensively. Um, I think some knowledgeable researchers have read maybe even vast portions of it, but I can't imagine anyone's read 55,000 pages, and that was just the first installment. And again, we're already up to number two. But within those 55,000 pages, there were um, side effects that weren't disclosed previously, that we're talking about a, a medical intervention to prevent one particular disease, which can result in over a thousand side effects, a huge range of neurological disorders, a range of heart problems, skin rashes, um, kidney failure, you know, acute organ failure, organ distress. I mean, how is that legal? I'm so puzzled as to how that is legal. And now in the more recent document dump, apparently um, they've admitted 
through these internal documents. They didn't go ahead and admit this to the public broadly. They didn't disclose this to the public while we were being pressured to take this medical intervention. But it turns out, oh, actually somehow there's more instances of myocarditis than we admitted in the first place, inflammation of the heart. How is this being pushed on students? I mean, once that is disclosed through a court order, how do these institutions continue to force young people who are not in the vulnerable demographic to put themselves at risk in this manner, in a non-liability pact? I'm just, the whole thing is just got, it was so strange to begin with, and now that more information is being disclosed, it's, it's beyond Twilight Zone level insanity and incomprehensibility at this point. I just, I can't believe that institutions would dare think they have the right to force private individuals into a medical intervention where the risks are so extensive. I just find it amazing. And a lot of the people who were advocates for the need for this vaccine, the need for an emergency medical intervention into the entire public and so on and so forth, they have nothing to say about it. They have absolutely nothing to say about it. If they can't call you a conspiracy theorist or an anti-vaxxer, once those labels have been already used, they have nothing to say about the just vast information that's now being made available about the danger of these products, the dishonesty of Pfizer. And I also find that interesting that where are the other corporations involved in this? It's almost like Pfizer gets mentioned more than Moderna and Janssen. However, um, when you see these compilations, and unfortunately I've seen many of them, of people giving firsthand accounts of their vaccine injuries, they say Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson. So all three formulas that are available in this country, and then, of course, there's other formulas available elsewhere, but all of them have induced major, major side effects, life-altering side effects and death. So I'm, I'm also curious to hear about, well, where do the other major corporations stand in terms of the release of their internal documents and so on? Um, but in general, that, that's my statement for today is why are people ignoring the massively relevant revelations of the Pfizer document dump, which is still not completed. We're just an installment number two out of, again, I don't know how many, but the revelations have been enormous and we hear nothing about it. Wow. What do you think should happen? Um, I think a lot of things should happen. I mean, I think that there should be a Nuremberg-style trial for all of the heads of state and all of the corporate profiteers who pressured the global public into this. I mean, corporate power was already out of control, and this little episode of the biosecurity state that's been pushed on the global public for the past two years. It's a in-your-face indication that, yes, corporate power has gone way too far. The corporation has now seized control over the nation-state, and their transnational influence 
supersedes the power of any particular government. So I think there just needs to be a, a massive trial, um, and the people who oppress this and the global public who have used this as guinea pigs, sacrificial lambs, etc. They need to be brought to justice, but also the public should never be forced into these types of relationships, inappropriate relationships with corporations that do have felony backgrounds, as a matter of fact. I mean, the fact of Pfizer already being involved in the largest settlement in the history of the Department of Justice should exclude them from providing a a medication that would be forced on me or even offered to the global public. Um, Johnson and Johnson, they had their scandal with carcinogenic baby powder. And, you know, a lot of people seem to miss the gist of that, which is that they knew their product was harmful and concealed it as long as they could. And what did the U.S. government do? Give them a slap on the wrist and then allow them into their first foray in vaccine making. Moderna, which has pretty much been waiting in the wing to have their mRNA vaccines unveiled. They've been waiting, chomping at the bit for this moment. They already had legal actions against them before they even brought products to the market somehow. So all the corporations involved have criminal backgrounds, and the public should never, ever, ever be forced into non-liability agreements whatsoever, but least of all with corporations that have felony backgrounds. I mean, it's absolutely crazy And then what's even crazier is people will call you crazy for pointing out these things that are so basic and so obvious that I don't want a a molester running a a daycare center, basically. I don't want someone with a criminal background then in charge or responsible for the well-being of innocent people. And it suggests that we have to be forced into these types of relationships. I mean, that means there's no more sovereignty. Very good points. Very good points. And thank you. Thank you for, I mean, just doing a a bang-up job on illustrating what Free Your Mind Friday could be uh, if we stay the course. Jackie from New York, you're on the air. Good afternoon to you and the listening family. Uh, uh, is it possible for me to just comment on two things on Free Your Mind? Or I only have to sure. do one thing. Okay, I'm just uh, going to talk briefly about Dr. M.L. King. And um, I remember when he was assassinated. At that time, I was seven and a half months pregnant. It was my first child. And I felt so disillusioned about the... Um, you know, state of uh, black people and people in this country. Um, so it did have a profound impact on my life as well. Uh, but what I wanted to talk to about was um, recently I went to a lecture and this woman, Dr. Cheryl Townsend, she said that Dr. King and Dr. James Cohn were the only two African-American PhDs in um, religion and theology at the time. And then when Dr. King was assassinated, that left one man at that time, which was Dr. James Cohn. Uh, but I wanted to talk about the, the, the function of a prophet, because he was not a dreamer. He was a prophet. And his um, 
statements and position has been corrupted into calling him a dreamer based on this speech, I have a dream. But he was much, uh, you know, deeper than that. And uh, when one is dreaming, you're asleep. But when you're a prophet, you are clear-eyed and you speak to the truth of the times that are before the people. And Dr. King was definitely a prophet. And we saw that he evolved from uh, civil rights into uh, world human rights and, you know, anti-war. And, and then he also was standing for labor issues with the workers. Uh, where, you know, he marched with the workers. I think it was in Memphis. I can't remember. But the sanitation yes. workers in the South. So he he had evolved, but... I believe that his philosophy of nonviolence and the application of Christian ethics to present-day situations is what, um, you know, led him to evolve and then to be given greater and greater world stage to speak against these things, of course, which ended in his assassination. Uh, just very briefly, I wanted to talk a little bit about the contrast and compare Dr. King and Malcolm X, both of their assassinations were never completely uh, fully investigated. I mean, they had hearings about Dr. King, uh, but even his own wife said that she didn't believe that the man who was accused of the assassination was actually the assassinator. And so no one was really, um, no one went to prison for that. No one was actually formally charged with any kind of crime because, as you remember, I don't know if you remember, but uh, he was shot uh, when they were moving him from one jail to another. So the man that they claim assassinated Dr. King was ultimately shot himself and died. In Malcolm X's situation, which they were assassinated not to, in a matter of a couple months, one from the other, it came out recently on that Netflix movie, Who Killed Malcolm X? There was so much uh, mishandling of his particular case. And then 50 years later, they exonerate the one man who was living that was in prison. So um, upon that man's exoneration, that means that no one was ever really charged with the crime of assassinating Malcolm X. So I just wanted to bring that out. Uh, can I say oh, one you. more thing? Sure. <laughs> um, today, in the state of New York, Governor Hochul uh, was faced with uh, signing off on the New York State budget. And there's so many things in the budget that people were vying for. But I want to talk about one thing, and that was that there was in the budget, um, both sides, the Assembly and the Senate, and various bar associations supported the increase in the rates for assigned counsel. Now, this is very important because people who are poor, when they go into the criminal court, uh, misdemeanors and sometimes felonies, or when they go into the family court where people's children are literally snatched away from them by the government, uh, they're often too poor to have you know, their own counsel. So the court assigns counsel to these families. And in New York, as you know, you've heard me talk about it before, there's thousands and thousands of homeless people. 
um, it's estimated that over 40,000 children are homeless, living in homeless shelters. And uh, a lot of people have legal issues uh, when they're in these kind of financial situations. And so Governor Hochul chose not to sign a budget request for an increase in assigned council rates. Assigned council in the city and state of New York earns a big whopping $75 an hour to represent poor people. And um, since the pandemic and the courts were closed for, you know, closed or allegedly not closed, but cutbacks in, in um, the function of the court for three months, these cases have even gotten more severe in terms of the needs that the poor people have to have counsel assigned to them. So I really want people to put these politicians on blast and really bring out the fact that they can support um, building a billion-dollar stadium in Buffalo, New York, but they can't support increasing the hourly rate for assigned counsel uh, for people who really need it. And as a result of that, it's very difficult to get people to come on these panels. Attorneys are not interested in coming on uh, such a panel at $75 an hour when they have school loans and families and, and no um, health care because uh, the attorneys who work on these panels are considered independent contractors. So they don't get any benefit where you would get from a, a regular job. And that has a direct dilatory impact on poor people in the city and the state of New York. So I just want to bring that to everyone's attention. So when these people are coming in your churches and in your neighborhoods and asking you to vote for them, you need to understand, you know, the politics of the budget. All right, so be well. Have a good weekend, and thank you for hearing me. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff, for contributing today. Thank you. You you did free your mind. Thank you. Willie from New York, you're on the air. Good afternoon, um, Street, and to good afternoon, and the parents, family. Um, Wednesday, that program you did. With, with, with Gwen, it was an excellent program. Oh, we, I wish you would take that uh, information out and put it out. On There should be a just way to Just kind of tell people what Wednesday's program with Gwen was. Oh, you had a caller, the caller in, do, a, um, do, 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 do a, 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 their own program, in other words. It may be an yes. experience that they have, and it was an excellent, because that's, because I had no clue how important that um, the information she put out was. It was when excellent. did a program on uh, hospice care, what you need to know, and a lot of it had to do with your legal rights and the rights, of course, of the person uh, or persons in hospice care. And she kind of talked from a personal point of view because her mother was in that situation and what she had to learn as she went along uh, in 
taking care of her mother. So it was, yes, I agree with you. It was a great program. Thank you. What I did, you may not agree with it, but everybody in my contact, well, I've always done that. Some programs I've enjoyed my contact. Some people tell me of something. You know, they'll see me. I block it. That's okay. I don't follow that. But the, um, the information of value, I think it should be, we should, Gary said we should share it, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, with the, with uh, my Luther King's program, um, you did, uh, oh, that was yesterday, right? I did it for Yes. Um, you see, I, I don't know where we're going with this because you are, uh, I'm trying to figure out why every program you do, you're trying to teach us something. And I'm, I'm, I've been listening to that program like maybe two or three times. I said, what are you trying to teach us? Because it's clear that the, that what they're doing, they're, um, they're, they're killing it, um, the memory of, of um, Martin Luther King. But what, what I'd like to see that they didn't make a movie, I think it was called Our Shop. And in the movie, one of the actors said, Martin Luther King was a was, was a hustler, so that means um, from that. I'm, this was about two years ago, so that means they were already burying um, uh, Martin Luther King's memory. In my judgment, you see what I'm saying? Because yes, all of us, I think, should should teach our teach our children. The, the, who Martin Luther was, because in my judgment, Martin Luther King, as far as I, I, I see, is the only American prophet that ever lived, in my judgment. They may be others, I don't know, but that was an American prophet. It, when you listen to him, and with the things he would try to teach you, the, 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 uh, the schools, it's not the responsibility, it's the parents and our the elders is not going to teach our children who these people are. And there are many, 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 many more. You know, you presented us with Amos Lewis and Dr. Ben Prada and all these people. You have done your part as far as that is. Rest is out. It's up to us to do it. You see what I'm saying? And that's all I have. Yeah, so everybody, everybody has a role to play. And uh, it becomes more and more urgent because the situation gets worse by the day. Yes. So we are starved for solid information. And today alone, with a slight tweak, you see how different it sounds. The, the program, at least with me, it's resonating very differently to me today because people are dealing with facts and they trying to communicate to us at that level to encourage us to think more uh, substantively about things and not just off the top of our heads. So that you're right on that point. Um, just under the, the last caller, Jackie, I think yes. um, it was February 26th of last, uh, last year that the government uh, released information that 
um, the, the, the two men that they had arrested for um, that did 20 some odd years in, in, in prison, they were innocent. But they cannot, they, they cannot find the real killers because the real killers is the government. Based on what I know. Mm. Well, thank you for calling in and for contributing today. Thank you so much. Gino from the Bronx, you're on the air. Hi, Yatrice. Hi, Gino. What's going on? Uh, I got Martin on. Let me just lower Martin. Oh, yes. So um, I tried to get through yesterday, and uh, reflecting on that, very important insight why the media has diminished the attention on Martin at this time of year. And I think it's got a lot to do with the uh, well, two things, the midterm election coming up. And that Martin, to me, represented in human form someone who lived his ideals. Hence, he was like an example of our internal conscience lived out. And he puts all of us on notice to where we are, how much we're in tune or how much we're out of tune to our, attitude to, our, to our, uh, our fellow humans and creatures. And I think that doesn't so much make us uncomfortable. I don't think he did that. I think the truth reveals how much we are uncomfortable, that we're not living more of it, which I see truth as a, or perception as a growing thing, like climbing a mountain. The more we go up, the more we see. So I think people like Martin, Edgar Casey, another prophet, I would say, in this country, they reveal to us what our innate real essence is. And like a seed that knows how to grow into a certain tree, we all have a seed to grow into such an, a heightened state, an enlightened state, that the powers that be don't want that attention put on it because too often it's often put with the media on evil because we become what we think about and what we do and usually before we do something we think about it so i think with the midterm elections and the promises for uh, everybody saying before the elections that we could you know the minimum wage is overdue it should be fifteen dollars and then all of a sudden they get voted in and it becomes a parliamentarian said we can't do that never heard of such a thing let alone the 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 uh, forgiveness of uh, you know, student debts or even health care during a crisis. And as I said in another previous call, come a war, the money shows up, and we see that happening, don't we, once again? Mm -hmm. So I think people, again, like, that's why I think the media is not putting attention on him in a proper and depth way, because it reminds all of us, all of us, even some of us on, in radio land who, know all these famous people and all these doctors and all these union people and we're for the students and we're for the, the, the teachers and, and most especially to add to Jeremiah very well said what he said today the babies, that's what gets me the most and if I got to say there's one shadow hanging over my head that causes me to feel less than what I've been talking about it's when babies are being injected when they don't have to be they're the least affected and, they want, and they're doing it and I got nieces and nephews who have nieces and, you know, children that are my great nieces and nephews. And I've seen what's happened. And there wasn't much I could do besides go downtown to City Hall or wherever. And the fact that certain people, as I say, you know, a fear of, they say a fear of knowing is a fear of doing. But some of us know 
and we still didn't step up to the plate to come and be the catalyst with all the people we claim to know and get us out here when this thing was really given up and somebody needed to unify all these religious factors that had a chance to get together, Muslim, Christian, Jew, you know, whoever, Hindu, we had a chance to emphasize the respect for life that all religion teaches, to take care of the children and the motherless, or the, or, or, or the, the mothers, the orphans. And I see a lack of failure, especially in the religious field, uh, that I am so hurt inside to this day, and I feel a sense of shame, a sense of guilt, because I, could not, I don't have a radio station to not just spout out the facts as Dr. Fleming, just Richard Fleming, showed on your show before, and many others for two years, treating people who didn't need to go to the hospital. And I, personally, I don't have that ability, because the more that's given, the more is expected, and I don't have that platform. And I know I would have showed up. And I wouldn't have disparaged people who were uh, measly uh, uh, 25,000 showed up in the winter in Washington. Well, I'm out there, and, my, and I won't name the name, but we know. And I'm in my bunker and safe from all this. And I could go to any country I want. Not, not even, and you folks on limited income, you, you're going to have to stay there unless you want to be homeless. And that, to me, is a shame. I have to say, I'll speak for myself. I feel ashamed. I feel hurt. I feel sad. And I have to live with that. And I hope somebody, people like Dr. McCullough, the Dr. Selenko's, the, the Robert Kennedy Jr.'s, who should be a president, that's what a president would be, a real man for the people, that somebody speaks up and puts these people, as Jeremiah said, and if it isn't this country, when the other countries get bigger, they go on trial and put these people at least in prison, because they did this knowingly. In my opinion, everything I've been listening to for two years, they committed crimes against their own fellow Americans, and they need to pay for this. A fellow on the corner in my neighbor gets caught with drugs. He's in jail for how many years getting raped? And these people have been getting away with so much. Now, I believe, like Martin said, the arc of the moral universe bends towards justice. I personally believe nobody gets away with anything. Karma exists just as much as gravity, just as much as love, just as much as our thoughts. We don't see it, but it exists. I can't put it under a microscope, but anybody who's got any sense of maturity knows the most real things are the things we don't see. But there are people who come along in our life who they live it, and they give their life to remind us to wake up and not be indolent, not to be lazy, slothful, sins that all religions speak of. And I got to say, I still are hurt because I know what's coming down the road. I know how many people are dead, how many are injured, how many more to come. And uh, to watch this and witness it, it's, a, and it's an enormous burden on me. And I hope, I hope, as I say, that justice prevails sometime soon for what's been done. And as you can hear, you know, I'm on used to say tears are the sweat of the heart, you trees. And I feel this with my heart and the intelligence I have, and when those two go together, there's no losing. You know, it's true, and I just pray for these people, even the ones who are doing this. And I thank you to let me get on, and all the people out there, keep on keeping on. I wish you all love and strength and truth and beauty and peaceful people on, on your weekends. Don't let yourself be put down. Uh, life is here to live as much as it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's very hard to wear that crown, like Jesus said, the crown of, of wisdom, the crown of righteousness, but it's possible. Martin did it. Others did it. 
and uh, we all have that in us. But and I look around and I look at my family who've died from cancer and heart disease. To be honest, I'd rather get a bullet in my head to stand up for the truth than die the way I've seen people in my family die way too young with cancer and heart disease and the friends around me with the ODs and the car crashes. You know, what are we here for? If we really believe we are part of something eternal, where is the fear? Why do we have the fear? Well, I personally believe because we weren't taught to practice the meditation. To eat. First of all, to eat right, to meditate, then to do the good deeds. As long as we do that, we get a strength that passes our understanding. So I know I've been on a while, you trees, but again, I, I wish you <laughs> good health. And, uh, and there's humor in this somewhere, too. You know, uh, humor is important also. So, again, I thank you, and I hope it's not too late for a certain somebody to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and get all the people saying he knows, make the phone calls, get us together, the weather's getting nicer, and we can still come out in force and let them know we don't accept this and that these lawyers involved should put these people on trial, and if not into a world body, put them on trial, they're breaking the Geneva codes that were set up after the Germans did these experiments on people, that, that we put laws after they did that, and they've been breaking them. So thank you, Trees. I'm glad you're still here with us. Oh, yeah. I'm still hanging in. <laughs> thank you, Gino. Good to hear from you today. And I especially like your optimism that you offer us today to keep in mind that it's a tough fight, but you also have to uh, uh, hold on to the strong will that you have, that you can cope, you can be victorious. So thank you so much. Thank you for that. Well, we're almost at the end of our program today. I just wanted to make a couple of observations if you've been listening, you could tell right away, immediately, as I have, a total change in tone. Because people are more focused and they're making their contribution mean something. Not just to occupy space on the air, but to have what you say generate its own energy and encourage people to, to stop for a minute and think a little bit more deeply. And I'm so pleased. I, I don't know what to do with myself now. <laughs> it's like a transformation, and it only took an hour. And that is what happens when we develop or we try to develop a disciplined mind. You give yourself permission to go a little further out than you normally would, but you also take on the responsibility of having what you say have meaning, have clout, have relevance, and... That is the best use of radio I could think of. Thanks so much. Have yourselves a good weekend. And we'll see each other next week on the air. Bye-bye.